Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church, and we are in Chesapeake, Virginia, and love to have you come worship with us on Sunday, 9 o'clock or 1030. Come on down and see us, and we'll make you feel right at home. Come on out into the country, right? That's where we are. We're out in the country. We have fields all around us, beautiful location. God's bless us with 35 beautiful acres out there in the Hickory section, and we'd love to have you come and worship with us. Well, today I'm going to do a message on Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 18, and I'm calling it Living the Gospel, Living the Gospel. Now, here's something that is strange, right? This is really strange. And the strangest is this, that the more mature you become as a Christian, the less worthy you feel to be a child of God. It seems strange, doesn't it? Because the closer you become to Christ, the more of his character rubs off on you But it's not so strange because the closer we get to the real beauty of Christ, the more obvious and the more penetrating our ugliness and our sin appears to be. Kind of reminds me of an old illustration that I heard many years ago. And it was about a guy who was getting ready to go to a wedding. And uh, he had a white suit on for this wedding. And as he's walking to the wedding, it's a night wedding. And he was the only one wearing white. Everybody else was wearing dark suits. Uh, but he was the, you know, he was getting married. And so he had the white suit. And, and uh, as he's walking along, a car goes by and splatters up mud on his suit. And because it was dark, he says, well, I'm going to kind of get, get some paper towels, clean it up. I think I'll be all right. And uh, it didn't look too bad because uh, it was kind of dark. But as he got closer to the light, he realized, man, this suit is a mess. I can't go to my wedding with this suit. It's got mud all over it. It's not just uh, a little bit of mud. I am covered in that mud. He didn't realize how bad the mud was, how bad the dirt was until he got into the light. The closer he got to the light, the more he realized just how dirty his suit was. Well, you know, the same thing is true of us as believers. Things that uh, never used to bother me that I would do, I would think nothing of it. You know, I used to have... Uh, kind of a foul mouth, okay? And I kind of got used to having that kind of foul mouth. But as I've gotten closer to Christ, all of a sudden, my vocabulary's had to be cleaned up a little bit. Now it starts to bother me. When we think about that sinful nature, I want to read Romans chapter 8 before we get into the passage of Galatians. But Paul says, Romans 8, beginning of verse number 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. And so we begin by saying, let's stop that stinking thinking. Uh, If you have stinking thinking, it's because you're being dominated by your sinful nature. But Paul says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they are sinful. But those who are controlled by the Spirit, they think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living within you. And then Paul puts this little side note. He says, And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So when I think about living out the gospel, if the gospel is in you, it will stop being lived out in you. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the world should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
Whoever sows to please his flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. So here we have an example of Paul reminding us that whatever man sows, that is he also going to reap. Now, there's some final warnings that are given to us in Galatians chapter 6, and and these are the warnings that I want to cover. And uh, before we get into these warnings, I want to give you a background of the Galatian believers. Now, the Galatian believers primarily were comprised of Gentiles. There were some Jews that were in there, and, and actually the Jews were called the Judaizers, and they wanted to add to the law. And Paul is reminding the Galatian believers You were saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Don't add to that. And so he's driving home the point, well, what are the marks of a true believer? If they're not going to take up the Jewish law and the customs of Judaism, uh, how do we know that they are truly born again? And so Paul gives us these final warnings in Galatians chapter 6. Warning number one is a what I would call a warning against consumerism and an invitation to fellowship. And so Paul says, anyone who receives instruction must share all good things. So the point is that when we're born again, we're no longer driven by material things. We're now driven by what God has placed upon our hearts, and we share all good things. We don't worship these things, these blessings. We're sharing with them. And again, right after that, it says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps whatever he sows. So investing in the lives of others. This is one receiving instruction and the other giving instruction. And I think about the idol of consumerism. As followers of Christ, we should be victorious over this whole consumerism mindset. You know, one day there was a youth group that had just returned from a missions trip. And their youth pastor had taken them to a missions trip, and and it was a country in Central America. And they came back, and they were all excited, and they were having a time of debriefing. They got the little group together, and they're at a pizza shop talking about the missions trip. And invited to join that group was a lady from northern India. And she's listening to this conversation uh, with these students who have come back on a missions trip. And uh, these kids are saying, well, you know, if we could just bring some of the blessings that we have in America down to those Latin American countries, uh, it would really help them. And this young lady from northern India was beginning to feel heartbroken. And so she asked him a question. She says, why do you think the people in Central America, why do you think they're so poor? So they all retorted, well, they don't have the things that we have. Look at all the things that we have, and they don't have these things. And so this young lady from India said, you know, I'm sick of the sympathy from Westerners who think that we need more stuff. She rebutted, what does that have to do with our happiness? Please don't help import the consumerism, that consumerism idol into India or into Central America. We don't need more things. We need to understand our purpose in life. And as a matter of fact, they were concerned for a person who was riding their bike back and forth to the church. And they said, well, let's all chip in and get him a car. And she responded, well, that is the last thing that that person needs. That person doesn't need to have a car because that person will lose the ability to identify with those that are around them. And they will write that person off as a rich snob. You see, what they needed was not more material blessings. They needed Christ. They needed to be taught the things of the word of God. They need to have their eyes open wide to what Christ could do for them. Do you remember way back on September 11th, We all remember what we were doing on 9-11. Jeannie Bracca, 
switched on the television to check the weather report that day, only to hear that a plane had just hit the World Trade Center. Jeannie's husband, Al, worked as a corporate bond trader, and his office was on the 105th floor of Tower One. Al had survived the World Trade Center bombing in 1993 and even helped a woman with asthma escape from the building. Jeannie knew that her husband Al would be doing the same thing on 9-11. I knew he would stop to help and minister to people, she said, but I never thought for a minute that he wouldn't be coming home. A week later, like so many others who were in that building, Al's body was found in the rubble. Al's wife Jeannie and, and his son Christopher were devastated. Then the reports began to trickle in from friends and acquaintances. Some people on the 105th floor had made one last call or sent one final email to loved ones saying that a man was leading people in prayer. A few referred to this man as a guy by the name of Al. Al's family learned that Al had indeed been ministering to the people during the attack. When Al realized that they were all trapped in that building and they would not be able to escape, Al shared the gospel with a group of 50 co-workers and led them in prayer. This news came as no surprise to Al's wife, Jeannie. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. You see, for years, Al, along with his wife, had been praying for the salvation of these men and women that worked on that 105th floor. According to Jeannie, Al hated his job, and he couldn't stand the environment. It was a world so out of touch with his Christian values, but he wouldn't quit. Al was convinced that God wanted him to stay right there, to be light in the darkness. And although Al would not have put it this way to be a hero, Al was not ashamed of Christ. And his last words were a blessing to those he came in contact with. Al shared his faith with his co-workers, many of them sarcastically named him the Rev. But on that fateful day of September 11th, in the midst of chaos, Al's co-workers looked to him, and Al helped deliver them. At the same time, Al too tried to get a phone call to his family, and he asked the MCI operator to contact his family. And he says, tell them that I love them, he said. It took the operator more than a month to reach his family, but the message was brought to them, a much-needed comfort. The last thing on my dad's mind, said his son, was he was concerned about his family and his co-workers. Now I want you to know, what the world needs is the gospel. It doesn't need more things. It needs to know that Christ loves them, that Christ died for their sins, And that Christ rose again. You know, we just celebrated Easter, the most popular Christian holiday on the calendar. Many people go to church on Easter. Now that we're past Easter, are you continuing to share the gospel wherever you go? Well, there's another thing that Paul wants to remind the Galatian believers. He wants them not to be caught up in consumerism, but he invites them to fellowship and to share the gospel wherever they go. Secondly, he reminds them to be prepared to refute false teaching. Instead, sow to the Spirit. Paul says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please his Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 
Paul is reminding them that the false teachers are going to come and they want to sow destruction, reminding us that we must be praising the Lord, but we must also be refuting those false teachers. You know, when I think about the two kinds of wisdom that is available to us, uh, there is a wise among us who understand the Word of God. But then there's that worldly wisdom that bases everything on just the affairs of this world. I want you to know that we are called to defend the truth of the gospel. You know, there's a story that I heard not too long ago that Richard Bandler speaks about in his book, and it's about this visitation at a mental institution. And as he's visiting this institution, he's dealing with a man who insisted that he was Jesus Christ, not just metaphorically, but he actually thought he was Jesus, not just in spirit, but in flesh. And so as Mr. Bandler is, is walking to meet this man, he says, are you Jesus? He says, yes, my son, I'm Jesus. The man replied, well, I'll be back in a minute. Uh, this left the man a little bit confused, but within three or four minutes, Bandler came back holding a measuring tape asking the man uh, to hold out his arms, and and, and Bandler measured the length of the man's arms and and, and then the the height from head to toe, and and after that, Bandler left. The man claiming to be Christ began to be a little bit confused, and a little while later, Bandler came with a hammer and some large spikes, some large nails, and a couple set of boards, and he began to pound them to form a cross. The man asked, "Well, well, what in the world are you doing? Well, he responds, are you Jesus Christ? Again, the man says, well, yes, my son. Well, Bandler says, well, then you know why I'm here. Somehow the man suddenly recalled who he really was. His old pattern didn't seem like such a good idea after all. Oh, I'm not Jesus, he says. I'm not Jesus. And then the man started yelling out, case closed. Listen, there's a lot of false Jesuses out there, right? What they need to hear is the truth about the gospel. Now, there's a lot of people selling what is called the prosperity gospel. If you come to Jesus, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. He came to forgive us of our sins. He came to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, listen, God may bless you with some good material blessings, but those are always the side benefits. That's not the primary reason why he came. He came because you were lost. He came because I was lost. He came because we needed a cure for our sin. And as a result, he gave his life for us. Well, I want you to know, Paul is reminding us that we got to be aware of false teachers. we got to be aware of consumerism uh, and materialism. But there's a third thing that he wants to talk about in verses 9 and 10 in Galatians chapter 6, and he wants us to be warned against fatigue and inviting the goodness of the Lord into our lives. He says, let us not, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of believers. Listen, fatigue is real. If you've been serving the Lord for a long time, oh, don't give up. Keep on keeping on. Fatigue may set in. When we do good, sometimes we get weary in doing good, but we are reminded that at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. There was a Bible teacher of yesteryear. His name was F.B. Meyer. Now, I never met this man, but I've read some of his materials, some of his books. But F.B. Meyer once had a, a firewood factory that employed prisoners. Meyer would give them a job to do, give them good wages and a place to live and Whenever possible, he would give them spiritual encouragement. 
In exchange, he expected them to render good employment. If they didn't, he lost money. Finally, he fired those who were not doing a good job, and and he purchased a circular saw that was powered by a gas engine. In one hour, it turned out more work than the combined efforts of all the men that were working that day. One day, Meyer had a little conversation with his saw, and he says, How can you turn out such great work, he asked. Are you sharper than the saws any men were using? No. Is your blade shinier? No. What then? Better oil or lubrication against the wood? The answer was coming back no. You see, the saws' answers, could it speak, would have been, I think there is a stronger driving power behind me. Something is working through me with a new force. It's not I. It is the power behind I. Meyer later observed that many Christians and and many ministers are are working in the power of the flesh, in the power of their intellect, their energy, their enthusiasm, their zeal, but having poor effects or poor results. They need to become linked with the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Oh, I want you to know if you're feeling weary today, maybe it's because you're doing too much in the arm of the flesh. Why don't you give that fatigue over to the Lord and say, Lord, would you fill me with your spirits? Would you empower me to do what I've been called to do? Paul has two more things that he wants us to remember. At the end of this great letter to the Galatian believers, Paul warns us against bragging, and he invites us to sit at the feet of the cross. You know, it's been said, if you want to get alone with God, stay off his throne. Here's another way to say it. If you want to exalt Jesus, put him on your throne. Paul says in Galatians 6.11, he says, See what large letters that I'm using as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. And remember this battle that is taking place between the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers and, and the Judaizers are coming in and says, Well, you're saved by faith in Christ, but if you're really saved then you can be circumcised. Paul says, you know, the only reason they're doing this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. He says, not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Now, don't you love how Paul puts all that together? Jonathan Edwards said this, The desires of the saints, however earnest, are humble desires. Their hope is a humble hope. Their joy, even when it is unspeakable and full of glory, is humble, brokenhearted joy leaving the Christian more poor in the spirit, more like a child, and more disposed to be a universal loneliness or loneliness of behavior. Jonathan Edwards is reminding us, and Paul is reminding us, that we should never boast except in the cross. You see, the reason Paul was so upset that they were trying to force the Gentile believers to be circumcised is not because circumcision in and of itself is a problem but because it became a boasting area for the Jewish believers. They were saying, well, we're part of the circumcised. We're part of the special group, right? We're part of the select 
that remnant where those Gentile believers, you know, they're second-class citizens. And that's why Paul says, no, there's neither Jew nor Greek. We've all received Christ the same way. And so we're going to boast in what Christ has done for us, not boasting in our circumcision, not boasting in our pedigree, our education, not even boasting in our, la- our experience. Listen, if we're going to boast, we're going to be boasting in Christ and in Christ alone. Well, there's one final thing that Paul exhorts these Galatian believers with, and he wants to remind them to have peace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You're going to have troublemakers that are coming in, Paul reminds them. They're always going to be inflicting uh, their, their views upon you. They're always going to be trying to conquer and divide, but invite the peace and the mercy of Christ. Galatians 6.16, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, my brothers and my sisters. Paul is reminding us that troublemakers may come our way, but we have the experience of the peace and the mercy of Christ. Now suppose I had the power to hold out to you to your two hands for a choosing. In the one hand is the mercy of God to forgive you of all of your sins and, and the peace of God and your eternal enjoyment. On the other hand, everything that you desire, the pleasures of the world, anything that money could give you, leisure and health and popularity and big business and maybe a beautiful spouse and uh, you name it, but no mercy from God and no final peace with him. Which one would you choose? What does it profit you if you gain the whole world and you you lose your own soul? Only in the grip of, of great satanic delusion do people choose the world over mercy and the peace of God. But surely the Holy Spirit is here and he wants to break that delusion. He wants us to realize that it's utter foolishness to desire the pleasures of this world, to have them for just a season, but to spend eternity separated from God. Paul is reminding them that we have been forgiven. We have the peace of God. We have the mercy of God. That is the greatest gift we could possibly ever have because it is a gift that will be blessing us for all of eternity. Paul rejects those who are are legalistic, those who are trying to add to the faith. You know, Paul is reminding us there is a cross that we must pick up to follow Christ. You cannot be a disciple without carrying that cross. Why do we want to add to that? We are followers of Christ. You see, Paul is showing the glory of God. Paul is reminding them that when you team up with Christ, you have been set free from the legalistic mindset. You enjoy peace and mercy. Well, today, as you listen to this broadcast, maybe you've never experienced the peace and the glory of Christ in your life. Maybe you've never been born again. Uh, just the other day, I was talking to a man, and, and, uh, and he doesn't go to church, and uh, he's well up there in his age. He's probably in his late 70s, early 80s. And I asked him, I said, well, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? He says, I don't really know. I said, have you ever heard the, the most popular verse in the Bible? And he says, I don't know what the most popular verse in the Bible is. I said, this is John 3, 16. 
And it says that God so loved the world. He didn't just love the world. He so loved the world that he did something about it. He gave his one and only son. You know, when you love somebody, you give something to that person. You imagine me saying, I love my wife, but I'm not going to give her anything. Ah, That's ridiculous. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, to die on that cross for our sins so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That man received the free gift of salvation. I'm so glad he did because so few people do when they get to be well into their 70s and their 80s, and that man was born again. Well, today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not too late. Today is your day of salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Listen, if you need to have more information about how to experience this wonderful gift of salvation, would you give me a call at 757-421-7500? If you need me to pray for you, give me a call at 757-421-7500. I would be happy to pray for you and to pray with you. Thank you so much for listening to this broadcast. I appreciate you. I'm praying for you. I'm going to pray that God's peace will reside and preside over you and that you can enjoy his presence in your life. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. I hope you'll tune in tomorrow as we continue to talk about the blessings of God upon our lives. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.